1: everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! Well, everyone, we're back this week to talk a bunch of stuff going on in the world of geekdom. And as you saw from the title of the show, also do our a spoiler review for episode one of Loki season two. Unfortunately... We're down a man who has time slipped out of our own particular show. We don't know if he's going to be able to come back uh, during this particular episode. I'm sure he'll be back for the next episode. But Shannon McClung is out today, so it'll just be me uh, and uh, who I am, the outlaw John Rooker, writer, producer, host, the Geek Buddies. And that gentleman over there
0: is Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And I'm pretty sure that Shannon McClung is pulling a full Ferris Bueller this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Full Ferris Bueller. (laughs) Just woke, just woke up. Said, "Guys, I'm sick. I can't do it." And now he's off gallivanting around. He's probably <laughs> at Disneyland as we speak.
1: Let my McClung go. Uh, so, uh, what we were thinking of doing here, since there's a number of topics to talk about, we thought we'd uh, start things off with a uh, particular uh, segment here that we've done before on the show, and I think it's time to just kick it off now. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. It's time for some Roka rapid fire to start off the show here, and then we're going to get into uh, our spoiler review of I know this is Michael's favorite.
0: <laughs> I, I just want to say, I know... We had a bunch of topics. We're like, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, and Roka yeah. was like, I really want to spend as much time on Loki season two as possible. So let's do Roka's roundup because it forces Michael to be as succinct as possible. That's yeah, really, I feel basically. like that's really what's happening this morning is he's like, Vogel, well, here's the time limit. Here's what you can say. Let's move on to Loki season two. So you know what? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I love it. I love Your, it. What a producers, logo. Producers, what a logo.
1: Producers see the producers. That's just the way it looks. So, so let's get it going here. Uh, First story here is uh, from the world of real and uh, the way the rapid fire works. So the roundup works basically is I put out a topic and Mike has 30 seconds to a minute to respond to it all. And then we move on to the next one. So, uh, all right. First one is blade getting a rewrite world of real is telling us that after Nick Pozzolato, who did the most recent rewrite for blade, Stacey Osakafor, Michael Starberry, and Bo DeMayo have all taken a crack at the script. Apparently, another Blade rewrite has now been called by Marvel boss Kevin Feige. This one is said to be a total revamp of the script that Nick Pazzolato put out there. Uh, Mike, the film is supposed to come out on February fourteenth. After multiple pushes here, what what's your thoughts on this one?
0: Oh man, poor Blade, poor Mahershala, poor Mahershala Ali. Like it just, it's you know, it sucks because. I think Shannon said this a few weeks ago. Uh, You know, Wesley Snipes, Blade, really, a lot of people say X-Men kicked off the superhero era that we live in. But really, Blade kind of got in just under the wire. Blade was the beginning of all of it. And it's still a really fun movie. Very different from the superhero era we live in. But it was really good. and. The excitement at Comic Con when Blade was announced was so—you know, Mahershala Ali, perfect casting. This is going to oh, be great. T- yeah, teasing, teasing Blade at the end of the Eternals and the post-credit sequence, and it just seems like they cannot figure out what this is how it fits what the tone is and i'm sure part of it is let's do something that is a big marvel release so the whole family can go see it but at the same time we want to honor the roots and we don't want this to be a watered down version of blade right. so let's do a hard edge blade but let's not go too hard edge because this does have to be a four quadrant film and we want to make billions right. of dollars and right. so i think there's and that doesn't even get into how does it fit into the rest of the multiverse saga right how are we yeah. introducing vampires and monsters you know werewolf by night Agatha Harkness is kind of bringing in the more magical side of the MCU uh, Dr. Strange, obviously, but vampires running around, you know that's a that's a that's a bigger swing as far as how that affects the wider MCU. So there's a lot of issues on how to make blade work both in the world of the MCU from a story standpoint and yep. the world of the MCU from sort of a corporate, synergy this is what this movie needs to be for us standpoint mm-hmm. and i'm sure that's why it's kind of a literal nightmare to figure out but i do not envy anybody who has been working on this movie
1: all right that's 90 seconds so that's your first ah! penalty. that's your first penalty here so just just be succinct to the point but yes absolutely agree i think this is a, a, a product of all the different pushes and i think a little bit of a product too of some of the negative reactions to the recent marvel projects uh, or some some somewhat indifference as we're seeing a little bit with Loki as well. So I think they want to make sure they get it right and get it correct. But I mean, at this point, uh, Maharshal Ali might age out of playing blade, which is a really scary thing to think about that dragging their feet so much. All right, let's move on to our next thing. let me reset the clock here. James Gunn's comments on Peacemaker two setting the DCU continuity. He was asked on threads because of course, He can't stay off social media, whether Peacemaker season two of the show would take place at the DCU or if its continuity will be addressed. And he answered yes to both counts. So season two counts as part of DCU canon. Does season one count? That's unclear. And the fact that it is now canon will also be covered, meaning the entire transition is probably going to be addressed. So, you know, seeing as Peacemaker was in Suicide Squad with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, who is attached to Jared Leto's Joker, we had uh, who is uh, they're both connected to Ben Affleck's Batman we had Momoa's Aquaman and Ezra Miller's flash cameo at the end of Peacemaker season one so if it's his own thing fine but this feels like once again we're just diving back into the mess Michael your thoughts on it 60 seconds go
0: James Gunn stop James Gunn just stop please please stop please stop clarifying every time you do it makes it worse it's yeah. just it's so confusing I you know what it makes me think of honestly I'll say this as quickly as possible I remember when everybody was wondering in the Star Wars prequel tr- trilogy mm. why C-3PO didn't remember everything since he was around for all the that's prequels right. and didn't mention it and George Lucas was like we're gonna explain it we're gonna explain it and then the last 10 seconds of Revenge of the Sith Jimmy Smith is like somebody mind wipe that droid and I was like that that's the explanation and I kind of feel like that's what we're gearing up for that like we're gonna get to the beginning of season two peacemaker is going to look to camera and be like reboots are a bitch," and James <laughs> gun is going to be like see i explained it <laughs> and we're going to be like okay cool whatever let's fine. just keep going let's keep going fine yeah. i see people being upset like why do you need to have it all handed out to
1: you why do you need to have it all laid out it's not a matter of catering to the vans it's a matter there are certain people who need to have it kind of mapped out so we can follow along? That's all. There's nothing wrong with requesting some clarity on a situation like this. James Gunn can do what he wants. We just would like a little clarity as fans. We don't have to have it, but we'd like it.
0: Can I respond to that? Not have yeah. Oh, in sure. 60 uh, rebut. Rebut. Go ahead. Yes. Rebuttal. A rebuttal. A rebuttal. Rant. Um. <laughs> This this is this comment has been coming up a lot. It's coming up with DC, it's yeah. been coming up on Star Wars when people have been reviewing Ahsoka and talking about what, and I've seen so many people on Twitter, social media, in our comment threads being like, mm. why do you need everything handed? to you want a silver platter? Why do you need everything explained? I wish that geeks could just like, here's the deal. That's cool. And yeah. when you're watching your indie geek film that is made for 12 people and it's super broad, that's awesome, but when you're dealing with Marvel and Star Wars. And these are mega brands that are supposed to be for the masses. And we are watching an era happen where the masses are becoming less and less interested in Marvel and and Star Wars. Yeah, The whole concept that you do need to maybe clarify things and make things make sense and make sure that go deep with the Easter eggs, go deep for the fans, but still create a story that really establishes character stakes, plot for the widest audience as possible. Yeah. I think that's a valid thing when you're dealing with billion dollar brands. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. If you're going to promote interconnectivity, you've got to take responsibility
1: for your interconnectivity. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Ahsoka season two news. You know, Mike, you and I, you and I, and uh, Shannon, we did our spoiler review just a couple days ago. It is up now on the channel for anybody who wants to watch it for the finale of Ahsoka season one, but apparently Ahsoka season two is reportedly happening, which we had all Kind of suspected, but a recent article from Deadline reveals that it hasn't been officially confirmed. A second season seems to be heavily discussed at this point. They say in the article, we hear that Ahsoka Season 2 is more of a reality in the conversation, though nothing is locked yet. During tonight's finale, there were no placards teasing that Ahsoka would return in the immediate future. That's the ending of the WGA strike, and the ongoing strike has put off production for some time. So do you think they've got this in motion, but they don't want to announce it until the strikes are set? What are your thoughts on a Season 2 for Ahsoka?
0: I don't know how this is a question. When you if you watch the ending of Ahsoka and you got all all that you got half of your characters still stranded, you got characters standing on statues looking longingly at blinking lights in the distance. You clearly have not wrapped up your story. Yes. Like, there's. This is not a. Well, this would be a good ending if this was our ending. But I bet there's more to tell. You didn't finish the story, and I know that we have Filoni's movie coming out. But again, I don't think that. I don't think you want to start a giant movie in a theater with half your characters on a planet, and people are like, "Well, where? Why are they on that planet? What's going on?" Like, I just. I think there was always the intention of a season two. Yeah. I think they they did hedge their bets just because we're waiting to see, and the strike probably affected that. But I I am. I was, I was sure halfway through the season that we were getting a season two, and I've been mm-hmm. saying it, so this rumor that we're getting a season two does not surprise me. I would be shocked if they came out and said we weren't getting a season two.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, it's, and it's, it's, right, it's the right form to wait for all the strikes to be settled to announce everything so that all the actors involved can also tweet about it, post about it, promote it, be happy about it, all that jazz as well it makes sense. Maybe
0: they, can, uh, maybe they can hire some of the writers from Drew Barrymore's show <laughs> for season two.
1: Okay, let's throw that in, Michael. Let's add that as impromptu. Let's <laughs> go, no. Michael. Three of the head writers from Drew Barrymore—the one, uh, one of the writers who, of course, uh, was interviewed by Daily Beast and said that she did not approve of what Drew Barrymore was doing. In essence, in her stance there. Three, the three head writers uh, have decided not to return to the to the Drew Barrymore show in light of what happened the WG and some of her actions. Are you surprised by this? Because no other writers. I have have walked away from any of the other shows. They've gone back to work for their respective shows. Even the ones that were a bit like kind of uh, like Bill Maher and others who uh, were a little outspoken and clumsy and awkward in their presentation. Are you surprised this is happening, to Drew Barrymore?
0: Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is I I got I feel I feel. I don't really feel bad for Drew Barrymore. I feel slightly bad for Drew Barrymore because how shitty is it that you go, guys, we just can't do this anymore. We're going to go forward with the show, get all of the heat she got, have the horrible apology she got, go through just getting dragged through the mud. And then a week later, it's like, hey, guys, the strike's over. (laughs) Like, just, man – wait 14 days had you waited yeah. 14 days you yeah. wouldn't have dealt with this i think it makes sense i think it. i think it's great that the writers did that i think it's completely valid and within their right and you know i talked to so many people about this like this is part of the nature of a strike you get near the end of a strike and everybody starts getting mad at the people that are striking like everyone's going to be the like, guys yeah. we just got to get back to normal like why are you doing this like other people's lot everything that bill maher said everything that everybody said um, but then it worked out, and the writers ended up uh, feeling really good and, and pretty celebratory last week. So I yeah. think it's completely valid and correct that they did that. Nice. Good job. Right under a minute.
1: I, I think so, Ooh, too. I yeah. think it's fantastic.
0: I'm getting I'm getting good at this. <laughs> it's,
1: it's almost like we should do it more. No, I'm joking. Uh, the three writers and Roy Wood Jr., <laughs> both of them. Uh, this is a good example of knowing your worth. Roy, Ward, Jr. Roy Wood Jr. also walk away from The Daily Show. These three writers walk away from the, yep. from the Drew Barrymore Show. They know their worth, and I guarantee you there's a producer somewhere going le- who wants to start a show with a new host going, let me get those writers. If yep. they can give Drew Barrymore a second career here, we can get them on our show to help our hosts. So that's certainly a possibility. Uh, all right, let's move on to some Taylor Swift news. No, not the NFL news, but Taylor Swift was at an NFL game recently. She's been at a few of them with the whole Travis Kelsey situation. You all know it's been blowing up, but she was at the Kansas City Chiefs, New York Jets game recently in New York, and she attended it with Ryan Reynolds, with Hugh Jackman, and with Sean Levy, who is the director of Deadpool 3. Jackman is coming back as Wolverine in Deadpool 3, and Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Now, this has lent some credence to the possibility in the rumors that have been going around that she will be dazzler and this as in deadpool 3 and this has sparked some fan art uh from boss logic there on right uh which i think is a, a pretty incredible uh shot there of uh, of her in the um uh, in, as dazzler there and then D- uh, danon's fine art is there on the left so mike your thoughts on this possibility that we get taylor swift as dazzler in deadpool 3
0: that image popped up on the internet, and just gay people across the globe just all screamed. <laughs> gay geeks, gay geeks, all screamed in in unison. Uh, it seems legit. Yeah, like it's one of those things. You're like, you're hanging out with Deadpool, Wolverine, and the guy that's bringing Deadpool and Wolverine to the screen, and you're all just <laughs> chilling out, having a good time. And you're like, and also, a Deadpool movie is the exact type of place where. Taylor Swift as Dazzler is a home run. Like if yeah, Marvel right. came out, if Marvel came out and said, "Hey guys, we already got Harry Styles uh it, on on the eternal side of things and now we're going to get Taylor Swift as Dazzler and she was the ex you're like, maybe can she act? I don't know. I got a lot of questions about this, but yeah. D- Taylor Swift as Dazzler in a Deadpool movie? 100% yes.
1: Okay. All right. I like it too. I think I think it makes sense. Because, look, I mean, a lot of people have been saying, oh, she doesn't need these, this fit, this extra. She doesn't need. She's already established. Listen, people who want to be in these positions of power want to conquer multiple arenas. She's already conquered pop them. She's clearly conquered pop culture. She's about to conquer the NFL. They're paying so much attention to her. So, boom, here's another area where she hasn't really been that well-received as an actress. So coming in like something like Deadpool 3, I think it's a safe way for her yeah. to come in and do stuff. And it's a fun character and it wouldn't require like this really deep, nuanced acting. She'd be good at it. And I think people would love the casting of it. And you know, Brad Pitt popped it, up for a few seconds for God's sake. So well, but you know, are right. I mean, negotiate. like if
0: they were like that, da- if they were like Taylor Swift is going to be Emma Frost. Right. Right. Hold I'd be like, on okay. Wait a minute. Wait yeah, a minute. <laughs> but Taylor Swift as dazzler is yeah. right up there with Robert Downey Jr. As Iron Man is just like, well, yeah, that just fucking makes sense guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and I want to give a shout out again. Defending his art, I want to make sure I say that correctly. Defending his art is on the left, and Boss Logic's art is on the right. I always like to give credit to these great artists who create this stuff. Uh, let's move on to the the, the second to last uh, subject here, or th- uh, uh, three more left here. Hush as a plot line for the Batman Two. Jeff Snyder on the hot mic yesterday kind of dropped it casually in between his rants that he is hearing quote whispers that Hush could be the next villain. For the Batman, 2. Matt Reeves, in an interview recently said there are so asked about villains, there are so many, and I don't know I think hush is a really interesting one to do. I'll say hush, but that doesn't mean that's the next one that the next one will be hush and for those you don't know hush um is a is known as Dr Thomas Elliot he's a shadowy figure, his face is shrouded in bandages, his eyes gleaming with malice he's a surgeon by trade, but he put his skills, but he puts his skills to more sinister use and in the Batman, there was a flashback scene where it was revealed that a reporter named Edward Elliot was going to reveal Wayne family secrets. Could Thomas Elliot be the son of Edward Elliot? And we did get a flash of this during that montage where uh, near the end of the movie, where him and Gordon stumble upon that house. So, Mike, hush. Thomas Elliot, Batman Two. Do you believe it?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, I think I, I would say chances are high. Is I a with the giant Hush imagery that we got in the Batman that you just showed. Uh, Tommy Elliott's a great character, childhood friend of Bruce Wayne's in the comics. And the Hush storyline, when it came along, really, like, making a new Batman villain that's really kind of cool and interesting and kind of stacks up against the classic rogues gallery is very hard. And Hush kind of was that. And one of the reasons he was that is because he wasn't just a Batman villain, he was a Bruce Wayne villain. Right. Tommy Elliot knew who Bruce Wayne was. So the fact that in the Batman you have a story about what this other Elliot a generation ago was going to do to the Waynes the Batman already dealt with uh, you know Edward Nigma and the Riddler and kind of does he know who Batman... Like they, they they played the whole, does he really know who Bruce Wh- Bruce Wayne is, mm-hmm. kind of took it back at the end, but this whole dichotomy of the Bruce Wayne and Batman and the history of the Waynes and everything, it leads right to Hush. It also leads right to the Court of Owls, and I think Hush uh-huh. and the Court of Owls are two of the big things that are pretty prevalent in the comics, in most recent memory and video games that worked really well, that movies haven't tackled yet, and I think it would be way more interesting for audiences to get into a Hush movie that led to a Court of Owls or something like that than it would be to go like it's it's mr freeze it's killer croc so i think this is a way more interesting way to go it seems yeah. more up matt reeve's alley and i think chances are high
1: yeah hush and uh um black mask are the two most recent batman villains that have really kind of stood yeah. out and taken a life on their own so why not um all right let's move on to agatha harkness um they according to the marvel studios listing in the u.s copyright office this has surfaced it confirmed the current planning planned premiere date for wandavision spin office september 19th and there's a synopsis it says in the first episode we see agatha finally break out of a spell she has been trapped in she can't wait to go back to her old murderous ways only to find that she is powerless the only way forward for her is to embark on a perilous quest to get her powers back with the help of an unlikely friend or two michael are we talking about the kids or what is this uh, synopsis tell you about agatha uh the new the spinoff here
0: well, she's going to be, like, we now know sort of what drives the engine of the season, which is I got to get my magic back. Right. So, great. Good, good, uh, solid way to go with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're getting both kids, but we're getting one kid. I They can call what's-his-face from Heartstoppers. They can call him whatever they want in the description. <laughs> they aren't fooling anybody that's Billy. Like we like that. And I and it's going to be a reveal and they're going to do yeah. the same thing they've done with some other stuff where they're like, they don't want to say it. They're going to have this character show up. They're going against it. But in episode six or seven of that show, we're going to find it out. Um, it doesn't give us that much information. I, we, I think we talked about this when we talked about the moving date. It's it's mm. a bummer that they moved it, but it's yeah. also smart where they moved it. Like give me Agatha Harkness around Halloween next year. I'm, I'm excited. So I'm sad yeah. we have to wait. Um, But even though it's moved around a lot, and even though the name has shifted 95 times, and even though there's probably been a bunch of reshoots and rewrites and everything else, I'm excited to see Agatha Harkness back. Give me, give me, give me those Wandavision feels back.
1: Yeah, we've gone. I think we've gone to where okay, it was over, and I'm excited. Now you delayed it. Now I'm kind of annoyed by it, and now I'm back excited again. I feel like we've gone as fandom through those feelings about this thing and i wish you could drop this series like a beyonce album i wish you could just drop it at midnight randomly on someday without telling anybody about it and see what the reaction would be because i guarantee you it would blow up people would abs no no prep no promo just drop it people would lose their minds and i think it would fit the vibe of agatha to just pop up when you least expect it so yeah but they won't do it but i would love it if they did um all right one last thing here and this is uh, rumors surrounding amelia clark uh and her character of gaia in the mcu of course at the end of the finale for secret invasion Gaia is recruited by Sonya fallsworth there the great olivia coleman uh to be part of uh, a relationship here to work together going forward and so a lot of people are thinking this means she's going to stick around and be a part of the mcu well uh, a a friend of mine and a fellow scooper my time to shine hello we follow each other on twitter so i like to hear his scoops he is claiming that gaia will actually return as the leader of her own team of british based heroes michael could this be the union which was formed back in 2020 and had britannia kelpie the choir snakes bulldog and the modern day incarnation of union jack who was originally the which was the original mantle held by sonya's ancestor james montgomery fallsworth so uh, assuming that's the situation there so what are your thoughts on this uh, are you excited
0: would you be down for this would i be down for it sure do I think of the possibility? Yes. Am I excited about it? Meh. Okay. Sure. Like, I listen, Secret Invasion, I don't think any of us came out of that feeling like we just didn't get run through the ringer. Sure. It is not great. Nope. Um. And, but like I did say, even when we reviewed it, that even though I did not like by the end of it, I was mm. very frustrated by the show. I liked where things were set up. I liked the idea that the president has outlawed. Uh, extraterrestrial beings on the planet and is like yep. you're all illegal. I like that. I like. I love Olivia Coleman. Want to see more of her. Yep. Even though Gaia's storyline was kind of like eh, the fact that she's a super scroll now and has been sort of recruited by the British Nick Fury. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. So with the Thunderbolts coming down the line, with this idea of secret wars on the horizon and knowing we want to have different factions, you know, we've got the Eternals over here. We're gonna have the Thunderbolts over here. Mm. There's gonna be a new Avengers. We're like, we're gonna have these different teams having a British. Based team and putting Amelia Clark at the head of it as yeah. a concept, it makes sense, it could be cool. I don't think they deserve their own movie, but if they showed up in some other movie and like somebody was fighting against them, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but you know, it, it falls under the category of if this was stuff that was happening in the first three phases of Marvel, we'd be like, awesome, we trust you. At this yeah. point, we're like, yeah, I get it, it makes sense. We'll see if you actually make me intrigued,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, we'll see how the Marvels. Gets received as uh,
1: another thing to be considered in this whole idea of team ups, and does it work? And can Marvel make it work? We will see for sure. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's the end of Rogues Rapid Fire.
0: I swear to God. <laughs>
1: All right, let's take a quick break and we're going to jump into our spoiler review, spoiler review of episode one, season
0: two of Loki. We'll be right back right after this. insert shannon loki theme here insert shannon loki theme here he will do it one day and we'll insert it (laughs) that's good stuff all right
1: all right let's jump into this thing man loki is back let's wash the taste of secret invasion out of our mouths and brains we hope but loki season two uh, brings in justin benson and aaron moorhead to be the new directors for this particular season and eric martin has been elevated to be the head writer co-head writer with michael waldron he wrote episode uh, four of season one the nexus event and co-wrote the season finale of last year uh so uh, pretty incredible stuff uh, there for eric martin to kind of move into that position here uh for sure so mike uh overall thoughts here or boris this one uh, we picked up where we left off in season one we got more with the TVA more with Mobius and M15 uh, B15 more with Loki more with Sylvie and the introduction of OB and this temporal loop so your thoughts overall or loom rather your thoughts overall on this particular first episode of season two
0: you know what? I, I I found myself thinking this in the middle of the episode. In an era where our main critique a lot of the time is a lot of the Marvel stuff feels weighed down by all the multiverse stuff. Like, oh, yeah. God, we're just dealing with all the multiverse stuff. We're dealing with the Kang of it all. I just wish we could get to some fun character stories. Oh god, The show that actually is dead center yeah. on the Kang and multiverse stuff feels the freshest and most interesting out of everything. Like, I had an absolute blast watching this. Like, I... Yeah. I don't know that this got me back to full like I'm back on baby the MCU train toot toot let's go but I'm certainly on the Loki train. Yeah. I thought it was clever, I thought it was funny, I thought it was a wee- it was just weird sci-fi out the ass. Like it was just like there was so much interesting stuff happening, there was yeah. really strong performances and it created sort of this giant Ouroboros mystery because I think that we probably saw a little bit of the end of the season. In this first episode uh, that kind of sets up some of the mysteries that we're going to be unraveling. But for for a show that was like – for an episode that could have been so complicated in everything that they were laying out, they had all of this timey-wimey crazy stuff going on. But it was really clear and character-focused and fun. Like I – this was a great episode of TV for me.
1: Yeah. I have to agree with you. I've seen it three times now. And I've really enjoyed this uh, opening to season two, picking up the vibe for where we left off at season one. We've got a more exasperated a more emotional Tom Hiddleston a Loki who understands the stakes of all of this stuff who really wants to fix all this and figure it out and solve it and we feel the specter of he who remains all throughout the whole uh, uh, first episode here it does a great job of introducing OB Kihui Kwan -Kwan, and then uh, has a touch base with Sylvie a little bit but then introduces some new antagonists in general docs uh, and what she's going to do the great Kate Dickey from Game of Thrones, the Lady of the Veil, there. So I like that we've got everybody in their certain spots. Even Casey gets a little more screen time in this first episode, kind of giving us a little bit more of where he's going to fit in in all of this. So I like that they laid this all out. It's very clear, it's concise. We're jumping back and forth in time. And the time slipping shit is super, super unsettling to witness when you watch it, considering it's out of the blue and the sounds that he makes when he's time slipping. So I thought there was a lot of inventiveness here and the special effects when he's walking out on the platform, I thought were excellent, you know, so got to yeah. give love where people gave, have been giving them crap on their VFX recently from Marvel. So, yeah, it
0: was so, and you know, like really quickly on that, hmm. it was just like, it's the difference of, I mean, yeah, there's good special effects artists. There's bad special effects artists, but and 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 I, and you know, as we all know, in reading the news, like special effects uh, houses are all unionized, yes. which is great. But, um, it's what really make what really sets the the effects here in those shots where they're out there on the loom and it's all CG and it's just you know it's Owen Wilson on, yep. uh, on a giant green screen versus like Quantum Mania is mm. the specificity. It's the little details like the TVA logo. Yeah, is, is still on the outside of this door in the middle of time. It's this giant loom that's coming together. Yeah. This long. It's just. It's also weird and specific and retro and those choices. Make it more than just like, here's some cool shit. Like it's very, very specific. And yeah, I totally agree. I thought it looked fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, we're gonna break this down into two sections here as we talk about it. So uh bear with us as we as I spew out a bunch of stuff to keep us all on the same page, and then we discuss it here uh in the show. All right, we pick up where we left off in season one with Loki in an unfamiliar version of the TBA, and he is running in slow motion from Mobius, who does not recognize him in other agents. He jumps off a balcony, lands in a flying car, a la the fifth element crashes into a he who remains statue and then into an office and damages the tva logo and almost kills poor casey who's just listening to some empowerment podcast but before he can be apprehended he time slips for the first time into the same office ish though this time they do recognize him loki notices the floor is damaged is in exactly the same spot from before and he realizes he was in the past when we started the show and it's now in the pro oh, this episode and is now in the present and before he can be taken in Mobius, though, by Casey, he time slips again. Mobius and Hunter. We cut to Mobius and Hunter B fifteen looking at a monitor, and they see the sacred timeline and all the branching timelines, and it is a crazy thing to witness and look at. And Casey tells Mobius that Loki was there. Then X five, the great Raphael Casal, who I think you all are going to enjoy in this series, asks Mobius about his jet skis his obsession with jet skis, uh, and then calls them to a meeting in the war room because Renslayer is still missing and they got to meet with judge gamble and general dox uh they leave and then loki time slips back and shows up again and is pointed to the war room he by casey he walks there but then time slips behind mobius and b-15 uh and then he shows up in another war room but no one is there uh, and there are wall motifs of he who remains with uh, there and then we cut back to mobius and b-15 dealing with things in the present war room, defending their actions as recordings from season one play as Loki explores the room. And so at the same time, both war rooms are happening at the same time. Loki's exploring stuff in his war room. Mobius and B-15 are defending themselves in the other war room. And Mobius and B-15's defense and meeting is contentious here with B-15 trying to explain that they, the TVA are the issue. and They're destroying, they're not protecting she wins Judge Gamble over, but Sergeant Dox, the Kate Dickies I mentioned, is not happy about it. But the TVA is ordered to stop pruning immediately. Then Loki time slips back in after he's listened to a recording of Renslayer and, Mo- and uh, he who remains having a conversation about working together, about how much respect he has for her. He calls her a marvel. So he has this information when he time slips back in, connects with Mobius in the room who does recognize him tells him and the others that they found him and burns away the mural to reveal he who remains underneath. Mobius says, or Loki tells Mobius that they are all they are all coming, all these versions, these variants, explains what happened with Sylvie, that the war is on its way and not to trust Miss Minutes. And X-15, or uh, sorry, B- B- B-5, uh, X-5 rather, uh, Raphael Cassell is told by General Docs to find Sylvie. So a lot here to open this... Um, uh, episode mike to lay the groundwork of where everybody is in contention with each other and what their motivations are and what their dr- drives are here what did you think about these opening scenes for this second or uh, the first episode of season three
0: well kind of to the point of your uh very good but very all over the place description because i don't know there's any other way to do it mm-hmm. they did such a good job of just throwing you i mean you you pick we picked this series up yeah. The second after season one ended. Yep. And I think what they did, it was a really good kind of hat trick, was we got to the end of season one and we saw, look, Mobius uh, and is it B-15? B-15, yeah, right? Yeah, B-15, yeah. Mobius and B-15 didn't know who he was. And we saw right. a giant statue of Kang. And we're like, oh my god, he's in a different – it's an alternate universe. Yep. Alternate universe. Um, But the TVA doesn't really have alternate universes. Like, it's – the TVA is the TVA. There's a multiverse, but the TVA is the TVA. And so – I think making us think we are in a different place and then revealing in a very kind of clever way that we're just in a different time and that all of the characters that we know have just as much as we learned at the end of last season that they are all variants from Mm. timelines that have been pruned that they've also had their minds wiped and rebooted several times, yeah. which is why they don't remember previous versions of the TVA. The, they don't remember a TVA where there was Kang statues all over the place. Like They right. just remember this version that they've been living, and they weren't aware that the TVA had a beginning, middle, and end. They thought the TVA was outside of time. So the fact that, you know, this whole thing, and we'll get into it with Ouroboros as well, mm. but this whole idea that like you can't time slip in the TVA, the TVA is out of time, but what Loki is doing is proving that there there is a lie to that. Yeah. And I think that that was really interesting. And they just did it in such a clever way of like, we watched the giant uh, TV fall onto the floor of the TVA yes. and yeah. almost p- kill poor Casey. And then Loki kind mm-hmm. of goes forward. He time slips and then he sees Casey and Casey's like, oh, Loki. And we're like, oh, he's back in his regular dimension. But wait, there's still a crack on the floor. So that doesn't make sense. And so they just did such a nice job yeah. of that. And additionally... They did a really nice job of just like, we jump into season two and everyone's in a high stakes place. Yeah, Loki has literally just been kicked out by Sylvie uh, from uh, from He Who Remains uh, Castle at the end of time. And he's freaking out because in his mind, he learned what we learned, which is okay, we thought this dude was bad and we thought that we needed to let the timeline go, but I think we just opened things up to a bunch of really bad Kangs. Like, I think we just just really fucked up, guys. And meanwhile, B-15 has gone on this journey in season one where she's like, guys, what we're doing is horrible. Like, we cannot prune anymore. So you automatically have Loki being like, by not pruning, we fucked up. And B-15 is going we can't prune, we're killing people. Right. And this really gets to the core of what a lot of was going on in Avengers and the X-Men and the Marvel comics leading up to Secret Wars. This whole debate of like, is it better to destroy a bunch of worlds and kill people to like keep a multi, like 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 what's, what's the right thing? And so in yeah. a very simple way, they have our characters sort of reflecting that right off the bat. Um, and then you sort of open up the TVA, like Renslayer's gone. um we get that recording so we'll get to the recording in a minute but renssler's gone miss minutes is like f y'all i'm out and so now we get these new authority figures and they're at odds with each other yeah you know we've got we got one person saying okay no more pruning and we got the other person saying "Fuck that we're gonna prune so like we get into one episode you know we talk so much about pacing with these shows yeah uh and look as much as i think we all ended up really enjoying ahsoka by the end of the ride those first two episodes a lot of people felt like they were really slow You cannot say that Loki episode one is slow. We jump in and everybody is at a 10, Mm -hmm. but they're at a 10 that still manages to be really clear. Now, in addition to all of that, you then have this Loki kind of like, we've seen the the Kang statues, but once we realize he's in the past and then he goes into that room and we see all the Kangs, I don't know that that's a, I don't know that that's he who, he who remains on the wall. Right, that might be the Council of Kangs. Like, yeah, it could be. did yeah. the is it the Council of Kangs was running the TVA? Right. He who remains went to war, and then he wiped everybody's mind and said, "Hey, there's these timekeepers. Let's go with that. Like, whatever." But so you've got this wall of the Council of Kangs that was that clearly predates the mural with the timekeepers on it, right. and then Loki hears this recording, which sets up what, if you know the comic books and you know Kang from the comics, you know, uh, Rensselaer was like his love. Rensselaer was his ride or die, the love of his life who like was out there helping him like take over. And so we see that that relationship exists. Now it's on a recording in the past, so where are they? I mean, we we know from the Quantum Mania post credit sequence and some of the credits that it looks like Mobius and L- Loki are headed to the past. Yes. So the fact that there's this recording that is clearly in the past uh, might be one of the keys that leads them to go hunting them down. Um, so again, like that's a massive amount of information that is told through a bunch of characters that are in the shit. And it's, it's not a bunch of characters sitting in a room going, you know, I feel like maybe this is a different time. We should explore this. What do you think? It's like, it's people living it in the moment, what the fuck? And they throw us into what the fuck. And we're sort of rushing to keep up. It was just a thrilling way to sort of set everything up. And again, for for a show that should have been massively confusing, yeah, I personally didn't find anything confusing about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I didn't find anything confusing about it either. It was like very clear that Loki is trying to get them to understand what he's experienced at the end of time. Unfortunately, he's he's been uh, transport or kicked through a time door to a TVA that it, that doesn't know him. So a different time that doesn't uh, know him. When these people don't know him, so in some messed up way, he does find his way back because he's time slipping. Why is he time slipping? What does he, what did he do to himself that allows him to time slip? As you said, we're going to talk about the Ouroboros situation and then the reaction from everybody to all of this happening in real time. As you said, everybody being very clear about what they think should be happening. And I think it's real life. This idea of there's been this massive thing that's happened. We're all in trouble multiple points of views, what's the way to go with, well, the fact that you went with one point of view that isn't the point of view I agree with, well, I'm gonna take my measures anyway. So you've got this whole thing that feels very real, feels very topical and is understandable about why people might react in certain ways to certain things being called into question or constructs or systems that we've been used to having in our lives all of a sudden breaking down, how do we react to it? So I like that all of that is coursing through this along with some really great performances across the board from everybody showing you, as you said, Michael, that they're all at level 10. They're all in their feelings and in their emotions uh, and, and um, uh, fear about everything that might be happening here and everything they might be losing Uh, and still managing to introduce Rafael Casal in an interesting way, bringing up the jet ski stuff from last season. How's that going to play out in this season uh, as well? And also introducing general docs who in a really, strong, powerful way, while also throwing in a little bit of humor there in certain moments. So I liked it.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, I was thoroughly impressed with the speed with which we got information Mm. and the way in which we got information, which if anything has been over the past few Disney plus series in both of their major brands. One of the things that, uh, uh, that I personally have been more frustrated with this was (laughs) none of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And shout out again to Eric Martin and Michael Waldron, uh, who who wrote the series uh, for this season for sure. And shout out to Liz Carr, who is playing Judge Gamble. She's the one that makes the decision to stop the pruning. She's I really great. was impressed by her as an actress. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know her in anything, so I was really impressed with her. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take one more one more quick break, and we'll jump into the back half of the episode here right after this.
0: Not nope. Don't got it. Not doing it. <laughs>
1: Come on. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. I'm going to speed through this as much as I can, Michael, so I will do my best. Uh, Mobius doesn't remember any of the past with He Who Remains, and Loki updates him and the viewers on everything. There's a funny exchange about who won the fight with Sylvie, and uh, Loki claims it was a draw because that's Loki. Um, And he also tells Mobius that the reason you don't remember everything is because he remains has wiped your mind multiple times. Uh, And there's a funny exchange about how time slipping looks, which I think is very funny as well. And again, he reiterates that you cannot trust Miss Minutes. Uh, Mobius takes Loki now because he thinks something is wrong with the time slipping down to the Department of Repairs and Advancement. That's RNA, where he meets Ouroboros, the great Kihi Kwan ob uh, and OB, ob identifies what is happening to loki as time slipping says he can't fix it because it's supposed to be impossible in the tva but loki ends up and then loki time slips again and goes all the way back to the the rna in the past and ob in the past tells him the same thing that time slipping is impossible but we go back to the present and ob suddenly remembers seeing loki in the past and uh, and, and proves that which proves that time sli- time slipping is indeed happening Obi says they he they need a temporal aura extractor uh, in order to solve this situation. And past Obi creates one inspired by past Loki and holds on to it so that it appears in the present. I thought this was done so so well. And again, two really great actors playing both of those sequences in different times work so well. In the present, he gives it instructions on how to use it. They have to get to the temporal loom. Then Loki must prune himself from all the timelines so he can be pulled back together in the present. And oh. Uh, uh Mobius, you have to help him do this, and your skin might peel off when you do it. So Loki shows up again in the present, and Obi's lamp is flickering. Mobius says that's power surges, which concerns Obi. It turns out after investigation that branching is overloading the temporal lube and it's bad because it could lead to a meltdown. They also have only one shot to resync Loki. They have they had an hour to do it, then something hit them the glass out there, and now they have five minutes to do it, and Loki time slips again. We stay in the present. Mobius starts his part of the process, heads out into this highly dangerous part of the loom to get time energy, and there's great stuff here from Owen Wilson before he walks out. About you know you're going to see me running like nobody's ever hoofed it before, and Obi's like, oh yeah sure cool no whatever, Uh, and then we roll out there with him. And here's the special effects; it looks awesome when he walks out onto that platform, Uh, Obi. And then there's a little bit of time passes, and Obi tells Mobius he has to close the blast doors because it's not happening, and we see Loki. Wandering through these halls, trying to figure out what he's uh, what he's supposed to see, what he's supposed to get here, and then after a few minutes, Ob hits that button because he can't wait for him, and then we see Loki walking to a ringing phone. He's lured to a ringing phone here. Then we see two hands open an elevator, and just as the elevator gets open, just a little bit, we see Sylvie, and just as he sees Sylvie, that Loki is pruned by somebody or something. And then Loki comes careening out of the temporal loo, knocking himself and Mobius, who is hoofing it back through the blast doors just in time before they close. And despite being in different times, the procedure worked and Loki takes a beat and says they need to find Sylvie. Meanwhile, Dox has raided the arsenal and sending an army uh, of these timekeepers to just to go after Sylvie. But B-15 looks on and realizes, wait, this is way too much firepower for just Sylvie and then we go to the credits but there's a post credit scene where Sylvie walks out of a time door in 1982 it is Braxton Oklahoma in a branch timeline she ends up walking into a McDonald's to get food she watches all the people and they look really really happy and I mean Sophia DiMartino in one scene shows you all the pain inside of Sylvie and says I want to try everything and that's how the episode ends, Michael. Lots to talk about. Ob, the temporal loom, mind wiping, some funny moments as well. Great action sequence where they come together, Mobius and and uh, Loki, and then the Sylvie post credit scene. Please, what are
0: your thoughts? I mean, yeah, this is where great casting, great writing, fun story, like it all. It all kind of comes together, and uh, everything with Loki and uh, Mobius was like was was great. Like I just like, gold. Uh, like just the whole like, well, it was kind of a draw, yeah, no, I know Ramona kicked me down the stairs once, too. I get it like and and like, uh, you know, the entire Mobius's entire like uh, you look to dis- like this is disgusting. It looks like you're being a- born and dying at the same time. like I don't I thought you said it wasn't that bad. no, it's horrible, like I hate it. like it was just that's the kind like it was just enjoyable. and also the cutaway to the random person oh, in the yeah. elevator the poor hundred percent win. The- the very like Wes Andersony kind of like he's like there's having this conversation like I don't know what do you think and you just go, <laughs> <laughs> this poor this poor person, um, oh, so good. But then yes the the introduction the introduction of Ouroboros Kihi uh, Kwan was. What you know, like sometimes when like they say, Oh, yo, Christopher Lloyd's gonna be in Mando season three, and we're all like, yeah. Who's Christopher Lloyd? He's gonna play Dooku, he's gonna play he's gonna play uh something Cal Kestis. he's gonna play old Han, you're like everybody goes crazy, like and it's never none of those things. Yeah. Uh Kihi Kwan playing Ouroboros is a home run. Yeah. Like at, like one episode in, if he was not in any other episodes, it's a home run. And right. I think he's gonna be in more episodes. Like, but like watching him in that sequence and his Kihi Kwan's specific way of acting and the understatement and the way he does it all playing this whole no you can't no yeah. yeah yeah no yeah uh-huh and then like going back and having the same conversation and those two things mirroring in the moment that loki was talking to him in the past and then mobius is talking to him in the present and he's like yeah. no i never met anybody wait <laughs> i did and you're, and you're watching it happen in real time. It was like, there's, 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 there's certain times that a scene or a sequence is, is written or directed or performed in a certain mm-hmm. way where outside of anything else in the rest of the show, the universe, the season, that thing is just perfect. Yeah, And I think his introduction and watching him build the oral extractor in the past and then being like, I don't have anything like that. Wait. I do like it was it was it was a perfect scene, like everything about it was perfect. It was brilliant, Um, just a blast. And then as far as everything that goes after that, what they did that's really smart. And you know we talk a lot about when you're like, oh, the Rick and Morty writers and like that Mm. Rick and Morty vibe. And is it right for Marvel? And sometimes you're like, ah, got a little crazy. But what they did here that did remind me of Rick and Morty in a really good way um, was when you are throwing around science yeah, mumbo-jumbo, it's really easy for the audience to stop caring about it real fast. Mm-hmm. Unless you are a quantum physicist... <laughs> Alright, so we got the temporal loom that is weaving all the pieces together for the sacred timeline, but now everything's not being pruned, so there's too much going into the thing, and we gotta do the thing, and you gotta get the oral extractor, but he has to, like, go ahead and, like, prune himself so that he disperses and he's outside of time, and then we're gonna pull him time. T- like, the whole thing is, it It does make sense if you watch it a few times, yeah. but, like, that doesn't get you excited. Here's what gets you excited. <laughs> We got five minutes to do it. Mobius, (laughs) if you don't do it in time, your skin's falling off. Loki, if you don't do it in the time and when that thing turns green, you're going to die forever. You're lost in time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Like, so all the weird sciencey stuff is almost like set dressing for Kihi Kwan has to shut things down so he can fix it. Mobius has to do this before his skin falls off. Loki has to prune himself at a certain amount of time or he dies. Good. Great, got it. And again, that's really good writing. Like that is, I understand the stakes without having to have a degree in physics. (laughs) Cool. Um, And then little things like Mobius writing skin in the dust because all (laughs) he's thinking about is my skin going to come off. And you're like, that's funny. But then when Loki time slips, and we just assume he's in the past because that's all we've seen so far. But then he sees the skin... And he goes, oh, I'm in the future. And we go, oh, that makes sense. That's like seeing the thing crash before, but in reverse. Okay, cool. I've got it. He's now in the future. And so all of that was just done brilliantly. The performances were great. It was fun. And then just the artistic choices from a set standpoint, from a costuming standpoint, Like, could they have put Mobius in the slickest, coolest (laughs) looking space suit? And had him go out there and look like a fucking badass. And yeah. Did they? No. He looked like a fucking deep sea diver in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And it was hilarious. So it's like all these choices came together to be something that was super specific and super fun. And then, like I was saying earlier, that whole Loki's in the future. He's running around looking for something to prune himself. He hears the phone ringing. He looks at it really weirdly. What is this? He sees the elevator, the elevator opens. Sylvie's like there you are, and then a mysterious person prunes him. Yeah. I will almost guarantee you that in like an ouroboros is something with mm. no beginning and no end, I will almost guarantee you that when we get to the end of this season, yeah. we will see this exact same scene. If we don't even if, and we may see it throughout the season, but yeah. we will get to the end of the season and we'll go, "Oh, this is what happened. Right, this is right. where this is where we got and we're going to see why Sylvie is in the elevator and whether it is Mobius or uh, Loki himself or whoever it is that prunes him in that moment mm. and we're going to be like oh or or Kang like who the fuck knows but yeah. that's going to be the big mystery which I think is like really, really compelling, interesting. And then in addition to that, to your point about B-15 yeah. and Docs and everyone else, we're gearing up for like Civil War on the TVA. Yeah. That's and and sure the that's Civil cool. War is pretty is pretty simple. To prune or not to prune. And again, as a person who's sitting outside of it looking at the bigger MCU, to prune is killing billions of lives billions but of lives. avoiding this war of Kangs that's going to lead to the destruction of the entire multiverse not to prune yeah. saves these people and lets them exist and live out their existences but we have to deal with the arm um, you know council of Kangs that we saw at the end of quantum mania so it's an interesting conundrum to be in um, which i think is going to be fun to watch play out and then in addition to all of that sylvie who has been hiding out in dead world universes yeah. before they're pruned her entire life
1: yeah, yeah, yeah and
0: as she as she makes pretty clear when she puts in her order is used to eating things with faces um <laughs> her finding a mcdonald's and her thinking that a classic 80s mcdonald's is like the pinnacle <laughs> of like this she's in heaven man there's people that seem happy They're eating their McGriddles. Actually, they're not because it was the 80s. They're just having hot cakes and hash browns. But (laughs) you know, they're having a good time and she's like, I wanna try everything. And you're right. Watching her in that moment, you're like, All right, cool. I'm happy for you. Yeah. So like it was like we know from seeing the trailers and stuff that we're gonna catch up with her working at that McDonald's, but it's just such a weird and you know, you're she has he who must he who must he who remains has his data pad. Right. Which, by the way, I think is going to be the reason why Loki was time slipping. Mm. Um, because all the other people in the TVA have a data pad that can go through time everywhere but the TVA. I would assume he who remains Datapad allows him to hop around in time anywhere he wants because he built it. So the fact that Sylvie kicked Loki through that one might be part of why he's time slipping. But beyond that, just she's like the most powerful person in the multiverse right now. She can literally go anywhere and she chose a McDonald's. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because she wants to go someplace and have some semblance of
1: happiness in her life again or joy again. And this is the possibility for her as random as it may be. Yeah, and I loved it. And again, Sophie Martino showing so much in that performance there of what's going on inside of her and the feelings that Sylvia is going through and just experienced uh, after what happened with Loki and what happened with, uh, with, with uh, He Who Remains. And the guilt she might be feeling about all of that and escaping to a place where she doesn't have to deal with all of that is something people do sometimes in order to deal with the massive amount of uh, uh repercussions of a decision they make. And so Listen,
0: uh, yeah, all of us have had a bad day and gone to McDonald's. <laughs> yes, I agree. We've all all of done it. <laughs> we all have our order. Yep, that's true. That's true.
1: Uh, we've all been there that Broxton, Oklahoma. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, growing up in Virginia, you know, we didn't have a lot of money to us going to a McDonald's on a Sunday to have those hot and sausage were part of our routine. And so I enjoyed that we got a little bit of that. And I do remember those styrofoam containers. And those uniforms, for God's sakes! I'm not going to lie to you.
0: I like yeah. McDonald's hotcakes more than like really fluffy. Like, like I would if, if you went if you took me to a really nice restaurant and they had really fluffy pancakes. Yeah. And then you showed me some McDonald's hotcakes. I'm not lying to you. I would probably choose the hotcakes from McDonald's. <laughs> I think they are so good. I don't care.
1: McDonald's. You want to sponsor the show? That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked everything that we got here in the back half of the episode. Like the building, it wasn't like action sequence. It was like a slow build to the action sequence as. In nerdy action sequence might be right it's obi spewing out as you said all this technical jargon but mobius is just focused on the fact that his skin is going to peel off and what that means because that's the character it's, he's not a stupid guy but there are simple things that he gets obsessed over as opposed to being caught up in all the mania of it all because he wants to reduce it down to the most simplest terms so it can be acted upon that's just how he's built And seeing Loki jump through all these sequences and figure out what's going on, he's in the future, and where he's going, and the surprise of him getting pruned in that moment just as he sees Sylvie was an emotional beat. And for me, seeing the visual of Loki on that string swinging through, that cosmic string swinging through the universe and hitting Mobius, I got really emotional because Mobius fought for Loki to make sure that Obi wouldn't close the blast doors but Obi had to close him. But Wilson's performance here, you know, just pleading for the extra time because his friend, he it, loves his friend. I thought that was so sweet. So when they fall into each other through the door right at well, the right time, because there was nobody. Mobius was making it through that door.
0: But I your, thought it was great again. Yeah. Just great great editing, directing, writing mm-hmm. all together which is exactly what you just said which is without saying in the in the in, like as we're as we're catching up in season 2 and we're mm-hmm. getting to know these characters over again and reminding us yeah. who they are and who cares about what. Mobius being obsessed with I don't want my skin to fall yeah. off. Yes. But then when Ouroboros is like when Obi is like you got to turn around now, you got to come back, there's no more time, there's no more time. The fact that he stays Yes. You're like, "Okay." And then OB is like, he presses the button and finally Mobius is going back, but he's moving so slow because he's in the fucking diver suit. OB literally says, so that we, the audience, know there's no way he makes it. Yeah. Like he can't move fast enough at this point. There's no possible way he's going to make it in before the doors close. And then Loki comes hurtling out as fast as he, you know, as fast as he's being pulled out of time, slams into him and had Loki not slammed into him, he he would have been lost in time, obviously, but Mobius would have died. So Loki literally slamming into Mobius, the two would not have survived without each other. And they don't make a big deal out of it. They don't say, oh, I wouldn't have survived without you. I wouldn't have survived without you. I guess we're best friends. But like in just a cool visual, like the music swells, Loki comes hurtling out. Like these two are tied together. Yep. Like, Mobius waited for him long enough to get Loki back. Yeah. Loki hurtled out of time and got Mobius in there before his skin fell off. Like, it was just, it was a lovely moment that yeah. sort of went, okay, these two are ride or die. I get it. Yeah. This is currently my one of my
1: favorite, if not my favorite, relationships in the MCU currently, right? For the act, well, the characters and the actors who are
0: still it's not, it's the not the a high, it's, it's currently not a high bar, so.
1: <laughs> That's a fair point. And I do love Kihi Kwanka. What a great way to introduce him into the universe he fits it feels like data went on to become this that's what it feels like and it's so perfect him him i've got to i've got to do these orders or they pile up i've got to fix this i've got to do that and him coming oh yeah i did oh that's right all these little things just work so well and it makes you go fuck man how does this guy not how did this guy not have work for all these it's years true. when he's so goddamn good in the last two, two or three things we've seen him in so it just
0: shows you but that, particularly, you, know, you are right. Like yeah. I love, I loved him in, uh, in, um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, so um, much emotion. Yeah, and and even American Born Chinese. Uh, he, he had a beautiful role in American Born Chinese, where he really got to do a monologue that spoke specifically to what he actually dealt with in real life. Like he, yeah. he, um, he's done some amazing, amazing stuff. But something about Ouroboros. You're right, because I had this thought too. Like we I was near the end of the episode, and I'm like, man. It's short round, it's data, (laughs) he's grown up. Like this is the kid that I was a kid with and like Ooh. he nailed those perform like I loved those performances like yeah, yeah. all issues of were they appropriate or were they not appropriate and like you, like all of those issues aside as a kid yeah. I thought Data was like one of my favorite Goonies and I thought Short Round was one uh was was awesome in Temple of Doom mm-hmm. and something about Ouroboros and the quirkiness of this character felt yeah. so much like them particularly Data and Goonies but in yeah. a completely positive way you were just like. Yeah. this is my guy and he's back like with the Quantessence is here and i'm <laughs> i'm happy for him to play as many roles he could show up like he's he's now in the mcu and i want to see as much of him as possible yeah if he showed up in star wars and DC, and he he was a professor in Gen V, like, I don't care, give me more, give me more Kihi Kwan
1: yeah, yeah, 100% agree with that uh, for sure, Uh, All right. any final words on this uh, episode here Mike, or anything we didn't touch on, I thought the music was great as well, Uh, yeah uh, any any final words on this?
0: I think final words are, you know, we keep saying, we talked about the Marvels, we said Marvel needs a big win, Mm -hmm. all of us, even the most diehard MCU fan right now is a little bit like, okay what are we doing? um yeah. loki season two premiere wasn't didn't get me all the way out of the hole to go okay i'm back on board let's do it secret yeah. wars Kang war council of Kangs. but it it started clawing my way up and we'll see how the rest of the season goes but i um based on the based on this i am excited about loki season two in a way that i haven't been excited about a marvel show in a while like i'm really excited yeah. to see what happens next
1: yeah, Justin, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead doing a wonderful job directing this episode. Eric Martin doing a great job writing this episode. Natalie Holt's music, the cinematography here by Isaac Bauman. And the performances and, and everything that happens in this episode got me back in and reminded me why Loki is still my number one favorite Disney Plus series. Picking up the vibe, picking up the atmosphere and expanding the universe just a little bit and presenting us a, a obstacle that makes sense. Something was constructed to fit within... uh, to to operate with one timeline running through it. If you shove too much into it, it's going to shatter. So we've got to address this and what it could all lead to. So all of it made so much sense. And I thought it was a great way to come back uh, for uh, season two here. And we'll see. There's more to come, obviously, five more episodes. But I think there's a lot to enjoy and explore coming uh, for us here in this show, for sure. Uh, All right. Well, there we go. That's our episode of The Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much
0: for joining us. We appreciate it badly. Uh, Michael, what do we have to tell them? Uh, look, if you would like to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at geek underscore buddies. You can do it on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. You can follow Mr. Roka at the Roca Says. You can follow me at MKToon. And once you are done following all of that, you can hit this like button below and subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content that he has got going on there. Leave your comments below. Went over a lot of things in Roka's uh, roundup. So let us know how you felt about the roundup. Take as much time as you want, because you know what? Mm-hmm. A minute sometimes isn't long enough so you type your little hearts out let us know what you thought below let us know what you thought of loki season two and while you're at it in case shannon isn't completely faking go mm-hmm. ahead and wish him well and tell him he uh should <laughs> drink a lot of fluids and get some rest and feel better after this weekend there you go do a little neti pot uh for sure uh, all right
1: well, there you go thank you all so much for hanging out with us uh, and uh please make sure you share it everywhere as michael said and please make sure you subscribe to our podcast trying to get those numbers up so we get more and more advertisers on the podcast so if you listen to us every week or watch us every week subscribe to the podcast as well and want will t- have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the geek buddies hey!